If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Praise God. Good evening. Good to see everybody here tonight. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 3. Wasn't Scott Boney great last week? I was really glad to have him, have him with us. Um, and uh, I had him come and teach my class Thursday morning at Christ for the Nations, Healing and Miracles, and uh, just did a fantastic job. And then he preached for Thrive. Then it brought him down to Dallas, and he preached at our Dallas church, too. I told him, I said, you're going to be here. I'm going to spend you real good, buddy. So it was really good catching up with him and Crystal and to see the great things that are going on in their life that God is doing marvelous things. Yep. Amen. Yeah. I'd say somebody buying you a house is pretty marvelous. Pretty marvelous. Yeah, it's really wonderful. So we're really happy for them. But we're going to jump back into our series that we started a few weeks ago in the book of Acts. And I think we're in part six tonight, but we are in chapter three. As you well know, I have a hard time getting through a full chapter in Acts. But tonight, that is my plan. And uh, if time will allow. Um, Again, love from Heather tonight. She's at Dallas, our Dallas location, and uh, uh, one of our young ladies, Kayla Griffith, is preaching there, and so she, Heather wanted to go and support Kayla and uh, her preaching there at, at, and for our youth ministry in Dallas, and she'll be, like I said, she'll be back soon, but I think I need to cover a couple of announcements before we get into the message, one being that we are in the foyer, you'll see a little um, tote out there that is, has a little Easter egg uh, and candy sign on it. And so what we're, what we're doing is receiving plastic eggs and candies. But we're asking if you not bring chocolate. I know that's... What is eating candy without chocolate, right? That's kind of like drinking decaf coffee. It's kind of pointless. But, um, but the, we found, you know, of course, the chocolate melts and... Uh, that makes a mess on the way home as kids are opening up these things in the car because you know they're not going to wait until they get home. They're going to check out what they got. So uh, we want to be as kind to the mom and dads as we are to the children. So try to bring something that's not chocolate that won't melt in the sun. But after each service on our Easter Sunday, which we're going to be beginning our third service on Easter Sunday, we'll be having a 9.30, 11, and 1 o'clock. I wish we could find something to do as a church, but... That's a start. And, uh, but after each service, we'll have an Easter egg hunt for the kids. Immediately following, it'll be about a five-minute hunt, and we'll fill your kids' Easter baskets full of eggs and have a great time. See, when I was a kid, it was hard-boiled eggs. Y'all remember those days, right? Remember those days when you decorated the egg, and the, the, car, the house smelled like sulfur for however long, you know? And my parents made me eat them. They made me eat them. You're going to eat every one that you pick. So you're, as a kid, you're not really excited about picking a whole lot of eggs, but you want to win the, the contest, so you're kind of in a catch-22 there. It's a dichotomy for a little kid to have to experience. But uh, anyway, all right. Uh, I think that's all the announcements. Is that right, Derek? Okay. See, I'm solely, so lost when Heather's not here on that kind of stuff. So uh, she needs to get back here. But um, Acts chapter 3, have you found it? Let's go to verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. This gate 
was called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. And alms were, were um, money gifts to the poor, specifically for the poor. Who seeing Peter uh, and who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. This beggar, I want to I want to just look at how it describes him for a moment. Um, and in chapter four, it tells us that this man was forty years old, and he's lame from his mother's womb. He's been lame for forty years. This guy has really had a tough going in life. He can't take care of himself. He's helpless to walk, and, and he had to depend on people to daily carry him to the place where he could ask for alms, or he could ask for food to, or money or so to survive, and every day was basically eking out an existence. That's it. That's the goal. Get enough money to get some food, and then tomorrow the whole process starts all over. All right? That's, that's really a, a poor way to live life. And so he's helpless. And I can imagine that how he struggled, he had to have been in somewhat of a situation of turmoil, thinking that I got to ask them again, you know, depending on people, maybe friends, family, to pick me up at my house and then carry me over to the gate beautiful and set me there. And so he has to feel as a man at 40 years old at this point, that's got to be tough on him. To know there's not much he can do about his situation, and he needs others to help him. And I'm sure he struggled with all kinds of thoughts, thoughts of just, just manhood itself. A man likes to feel independent and that he can work with his hands and that he can provide and he can, but he can't do any of those things. And he's been laid at this gate, beautiful, for daily. For a year. And I don't know if it's been for 40 years, but we know he has been for some time here. But he is 40 years old. This man really is a picture of those without God. He was lame from his mother's womb, born this way. And everybody that is born is born lame. In the spirit, they are born helpless. Scripture teaches us that through one man's sin, death came to all of us. The very fact that we were born, the first birth from our mother is one that is born right into sin. It's, it's the condition of what we are. I don't have any problem with people saying they're born a certain way because I believe that. We were all born in trouble. <laughs> Amen. Right? I was born a murderer. I was a born a thief. I was born with all kinds of problems. My sin condition doesn't matter what the sin was, it was the condition of the man. It wasn't what man was doing that was the problem, it was who the man was. Right? When the condition gets fixed, then the man's actions can be fixed. I mean, you can paint that old corroded fence all you want, but it doesn't change the properties of that fence you have to get a new fence, right? I mean, it can look new, but that's what religion does. Religion can dress up that sinful condition real nice, say all the right things, do all the right things, but still be very, very lost. This man represents mankind that we are helpless to do anything outside of God. He couldn't walk 
Just like the man who is born without God, who does not know God, who does not have God in his life, is helpless to really live life as God designed us to live. And it says that he's outside of the temple. He's outside the gate, beautiful, outside the temple. And a person without God is God is outside of the rich fellowship of God's people. And he's living a hand-to-mouth existence. A temporary, he's looking for every day a temporary provision. As is the person who lives life without God. His life is lived by temporary means. That which he can taste, touch, smell, hear, and see. But at the end of the day, when all close their eyes in death, as Paul said, we came in this world with nothing and we're going out with nothing. Right? But I want you to look further. Look, look, let's look at chapter, or verse 4. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. I want you to write this down maybe uh, if you're taking notes tonight, or you can follow us on our version. if you have that version Bible app on your phone. I've got some notes for you to follow by. Believers impart expectancy. Believers impart expectancy. He says, Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention. I doubt that that was common for this man, for someone to want to look this man in the eyes. As they simply, you know, went by and he shook his little cup at him and they dropped their quarter in. And it was just kind of, all right, I'm going to do this and then go on into the temple and just kind of appease their conscience that they helped somebody out by tipping a poor man on the way in. So there probably wasn't much interaction as far as, you know, conversation or somebody, help, you know, talking to him about his well-being, how's he doing, probably just religious duty, just dropping the money and moving on. But Peter said, look at us. So the man looked at him, expecting to receive something from them, Right? What happened at that moment? Now, whatever, now we know that he was not expecting what Peter was about to say, but the truth, but, but the point is he was expecting. All right? I like the phrase that I heard a long time ago, the atmosphere of miracles. Wait, let me, let me see. <laughs> Am I saying that right? The atmosphere, I'm sorry, the atmosphere of expectancy, I should say, is the breeding ground for miracles. The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. You know, you came here on a Wednesday night because I believe that you expect something from God. You expect to have good fellowship with one another. expect to take that moment, those few minutes to sing and to bless God and to magnify Him. You expect to hear a word from God tonight that will enrich your life and help you stay strong in the Lord. But, I, you know, I think it's sad for somebody to come all the way to church not expecting anything. Right? Just, yeah, okay, I'm going to church tonight. Yeah. Why waste all that time? I mean, why take all that time just to get to church and waste time not expecting? Right? I mean, you came here all the way. Right? Engage in that. Engage. Hey, I know what it's like. I'm a preacher's kid. I went to church not expecting a whole lot. 
I went to church because my parents made me go to church at one point, right? I wasn't there to, oh, I'm here to get all I can from God. I was here because mom and dad told me to, and if I didn't go, I was going to get my butt beat. That was about as spiritual as I was at times. <laughs> you know, you know how it is, though. Had a long week, but, but our expectancy is what opens up our receiver, our ability to receive. And this man at this moment looked at them expecting to receive something. Now, I want you to turn over to Luke for a moment, Luke chapter 8. <clears throat> Luke chapter 8. And let's see, let's go to... Verse 43, now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from, by, as one, one of the gospels tells us that she spent all that she had on physicians and, and did not get any better, but rather she grew worse. So wow, what a, what a devastating thing for her to not only lose her health, but also lose all of her money trying to get healthy. So now she's poor, now she's broke, and she's sicker. Her condition is, is, is worse. Now watch. Came from behind and touched the border of his garment, that is Jesus' garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng." And press you, and you say, who touched me? Right? Lots of people are touching Jesus. Lots of people. Multitudes are thronging him, pressing into him. Everybody wants a piece of Jesus. Right? Yeah. And in that crowd, there are people with great needs. There are people that are crying out. There are people who are sick. There are people who are hurting. There are people who need something. And they know that he's got what they need. And so they're crying, they're desperate, they're needy. And Jesus is just continuing to walk through all this crowd of desperation and need. He's just continuing to walk until somebody reaches up and touches the bottom of his robe. And then he takes the time to say, Who touched me? And Peter responded just like the rest of us would Jesus, that's really the wrong question. Question is, Who's not touching you? <laughs> That'd be a little more accurate. Now watch what Jesus, look how he responds. Somebody touched me for I perceive power going out from me. That is, somebody received something that I had. Something, somebody took from me <laughs> They took power from me. Jesus wasn't looking for this lady to heal her. Now, we know that he did that from time to time. But in this moment, this lady took her healing from him. And he said, whoa, 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 I felt power leave me. Who did that? Well, what's the difference between her and all the other people that are there? Well, in one of the other gospels, it says that she, before she approached Jesus, she said within herself, if you remember, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be made whole. 
I know I'll be made whole. What is she doing? She's walking by faith. She has nothing else to hold on to. She already spent all that she could on what man could provide, and they couldn't do anything for her, right? And besides that, she really has no business being in this crowd whatsoever because she has this flow of blood, and according to the law, she's deemed impure. But she isn't worried about it at that moment. I mean, really, if they kill her, if they stone her for doing this, well, that's only speeding up the process of the already inevitable death that she's going to die. So what does she have to lose? But it's not, is she desperate? Yeah, she's desperate. Is she needy? Yeah, she's needy. But those aren't, those aren't the motivation factors for her. The focus is him. Are you seeing this? The focus is not how badly I need something. The focus is he has what I need. He has it. If I could just touch the hem of that garment, I know I'll be made whole. That's all I need to know. Her focus was on Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when her focus was on him, then she worked her way through the crowd, and she just was able to grab a hold of that hem of his garment and received exactly what she said she was going to get. And she said, I know I'll be made whole. She did not say, I know I'll be healed. She said, I know I will be made whole. It's the Greek word sozo. And it means the total package. You get everything in healing and deliverance, provision, prosperity, health, and wholeness. You get all of it. She wasn't going after just one specific thing. She was going after sozo, the whole thing. Glory to God. And what happened was, what Jesus is really telling us, Peter said, everybody's touching you, Jesus. He says, yeah, but somebody met me on my terms. Somebody took power from me. And there's only one way to do that, by faith. Uh -huh. By faith. Amen. Desperation isn't, isn't what's going to get you to get your answer from God. Manipulation and much crying and much praying, those aren't, that's, that's not Amen. how we Amen. get things from God. Amen. We get things from God with a confident assurance. Father, I know you love me, and I know that you provided this for me, and I will have what you say I will have. And I receive my healing because you are my healer. I'm not asking for healing because I deserve it or because I'm so needy. I'm asking for healing because I know you are my healer. And I know it's mine. It's provided for. Isn't this wonderful? But what, how, how, ladies and gentlemen, could she have that kind of knowing how could she have that assurance without really experiencing it? Except that Jesus was going around, and by what he was doing, it put an expectancy on her. She heard news. So you ought to be living your life in such a way that people are talking about when they encounter you and they experience you, something good happens. You got to meet this girl. You got to meet this guy. Build an Peter said, look at us. And the man looked at him, expecting to receive one thing. Now watch what he expects to receive. What do you think he expects to receive? Money. I need 99 cents. Wendy's has got that 99 cent bowl of chili. <laughs> now watch. Verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, 
but what I do have, I give you. Well, say this with me. What I have is what I give. All right? God has made us in his image, in his nature, you now being born again. You were born in the condition of sin, but through Christ Jesus, you've been born into the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. So you have his nature, and the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, which means you have something to give. And you have the same gifts to give as Jesus had to give. Because he said, hey, I'm going to my Father. The works that I do, you're going to do, and you're going to do greater works than these. All right? So don't ever think that the power that's in you is subservient to what God has for you. It's the same power. It's the same spirit. It's the same anointing. Hallelujah. But you have to be convinced of that. See, believers impart these things. Not doubters, not wonders, not hope sowers, but believers. Amen. Believers impart healing. Believers impart expectancy and believers impart healing. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk and watch. And he took him by the right hand. I'd have have to say you're going to have to be pretty assured to take a man who cannot walk and grab him by the hand, you better know that you know. Better know that you know. Because there could be a lawsuit if this don't work out. (laughs) Right? Or you could just look really cruel dragging some guy with withered legs around. Right? Better know that you know this is going to work. Right? And he says, what I have, that's what I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, that's what he had right there. The name that is above every name. No matter how long this man's been laying, 40 years, ain't nothing compared to the healing power that is in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now watch. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately, thank God, his feet and bones received strength. Immediately, believers impart healing. Ray and Angie our wonderful couple that, uh, that attend our church, and they sit over on that side of the building on Sunday mornings. And Angie, we've walked through things concerning their family through the years and, and just seen a lot, of, a lot of wonderful things happen, and we've endured some tragedies together as well. But Angie came up to me one Sunday. This has been a few weeks ago, and she was so excited. She was, I mean, her eyes were beaming and gleaming, and and she said, Pastor Eric, i got to tell you something. I said, well, tell me, what is it? She said, well, I watched this this elderly lady for my job, and she's 90 years old, and she said she went to the doctor, and because she had had some swelling in her abdomen, and uh, so they began to do some tests, and they were saying that there was, um, it looked like some uh, cancer was there, And, and so she was pretty worried about it, and uh, but she was waiting for the test to come back to make sure. And, and I, she said, Pastor Eric, you, you were talking about that we, you are equipping us for the work of the ministry and that believers, signs and wonders follow believers. She said, it just kind of came up in me, just rose up in me. And so I just asked her, I said, can I pray for you? And she said, and then when I said it, I couldn't believe I was saying it, you know. And the, she said, the lady said, yeah, you can pray for me. She said, well, I just believe that, that God is our healer. And I believe what the scripture says, that they will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. 
I want to pray for you. And so the lady said, okay. So she just put her hands on her 90-year-old belly, and she prayed a healing prayer. And the next day, the lady went into the doctor's appointment um, to get her results, and they couldn't find anything. Nothing there. They actually did another test, and there was nothing there. She was completely, completely, and totally clear. 90 years old. Is that beautiful or what? Believers impart healing. And listen to me. You have healing hands because he is in you. The scripture teaches us there was this mystery that was hidden from the ages. They couldn't see it coming. But Paul said, I know what the mystery is. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you. So wherever you go, there he goes. Your hands, his hands are there. Hallelujah. And whenever you lay hands on the sick, it's like he's laying his hands on the sick. So then you, believer, impart expectancy and, and, and impart healing. Let's look what's next. Taken by the right hand. Let's verse 8. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. Another thing that believers impart is joy. I mean, this guy's whole world changed. Can you imagine 40 years, and for the very first time, he stands up on his feet. And this guy can't even stand up. He's got to start jumping around and testing this healing out, man. He's jumping and walking and leaping and praising God and going nuts. And the Scripture says he went into the temple with him. All of a sudden now, he gets to be in fellowship with God's people. Hallelujah. He gets his life he gets a, lot, a whole new life. I was going to say gets his life back, but he was born that way. He gets a whole new experience, a whole new life. He doesn't have to sit out there begging anymore. This guy can go get a job now. This guy can go be the man that he's always hoped that he could be. Yeah. Believers impart joy. Christians ought to be the happiest people on planet Earth. Yeah. Now, we yeah. really don't ever have a day where we ought to have some me time I just want to be sad for a while. Right? Listen, that's not how you were made to function. Right? You're going against your very nature and buying into all this other nonsense than the joy of the Lord because it is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Hallelujah. Did you hear me? It is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. And if it's your strength, then it's everybody else's strength. So we impart joy. Now watch. This, um, the disciples, Jesus, remember Jesus sent them out at one time to go do what he was doing? And he told them, he said, I want you to go and you can cast out devils and you lay hands on the sick and they recover. He was showing them that they could do what he could do under his name, in his name, by his authority. And so they did, and they, they went out for a few days, and they came back with all these wonderful reports, these wonderful testimonies. And one of the things they said was, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And they were elated at it. They were, and Jesus said, hey, don't rejoice in that. Don't rejoice because demons are subject to you. You rejoice because your names are what? Written in heaven. What did he teach him about Joy. Joy, joy is to be set on eternal things. 
rejoice about the eternal thing, not about the temporary thing. Because it's not every day that you're going to be casting out devils. And if your joy is dependent upon whether you're doing this or doing that, then you're going to have joyful days and you're going to have sad days. But if you'll rejoice because your name's written in heaven, then every day you can rejoice. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say it, rejoice. Hallelujah. Rejoice in the Lord always. You can have joy all the time. Yeah. Amen. And you need to have joy all the time. Amen. Because this world needs to see people with some joy. Yeah. People with an assurance that God is good and that God loves us and that God gave himself for us and he is happy to be our God. Yeah. And he delights in his children. Yeah. Amen. The believers in part joy. Now, this man's freaking out. He's going nuts. Now, watch what happens. And all the people saw him walking, verse 9. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You know what else believers in part? Wonder. Jesus said, these signs, what? Will follow believers. Signs and Wonders follow. Wonders. I love that. Wonders follow believers. What are wonders? I don't know what wonders are. I don't know what wonders are. But I'd like to be able to impart things where people go, I wonder what that was. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean... What was God doing there? Right? Signs and wonders. I want to be used by God where people know that they can expect something from God. They know that I'm going to be praying for them. They know that I'm going to, I'm going to be there and I'll lay my hands on them if I need to pray for them when they need healing. I want them to know that when they're around me that there's joy, that it's contagious. Yeah. And pull them up out of their sad situations and yeah. so that they can find strength. I want people to know, to, to, to be around me and, and experience the wonder of God. Yeah. Don't you? Uh -huh. Amen. Be able to impart these wonderful things. And that means that you're open to anything happening. Because a wonder is pretty, that's a big word. That you would just be willing to say, God, you use me however you want to. Yeah. Let wonders happen through me. Yeah. Let wonders happen through me. Thank you, Thank you, I want to impart. I want people to stand in awe of our God. Yeah. And all of his wonders all of his beauty and all of his glory. Hallelujah. Praise. Praise. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. That is somebody that is filled with awe. Because if you know what a doorkeeper did, then you know 
what he's saying is big. I won't go into all the gory details of a doorkeeper, but it's funny that there have been a couple of worship songs over the years where people are singing, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God, not really understanding what they're saying. A doorkeeper is not what Tommy Mario do out there when they greet you. A doorkeeper had the very special job to make sure that any of those that were entering the temple, males, were Jews. That they had that certain sign, that seal, that was the doorkeeper's job. Now, you think working in the nursery is tough. <laughs> David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than be anywhere else. I'll take that job as long as I'm in his house, as long as I'm among his people. How about that, huh? Now watch. I'm going to finish with this. Verse, believers impart one. And lastly, write this down, believers impart the gospel. Verse 11, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Well, hello, the guy's been lame 40 years. There's going to be a little bit of marveling, right? Why do you marvel? Or why do they look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? See, what qualifies you to be a conduit of the power of God and the miracles of God are not because you're living so holy. It's because he is in you. If you feel like you've got to prepare yourself for that to happen, you will never see it happen. You're just going to have to understand that in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. And if you'll just be willing, God will use you. Yeah. Amen. I'm not excusing you not to live holy. I'm just saying it's not dependent upon that. Uh -huh. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. All right? I think that you would probably... You know, you would experience it in a greater way because your heart is after God, right? But there are times when it just happens. God chooses to, to distribute those gifts whenever he wills. You hearing me? So he said, it's not by our own godliness that this happened or that we had this power. Watch. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, which was Barabbas, and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are all witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. What, what, what was it? His name, through faith in his name. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him, this man, this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. With those things which God foretold by the mouth of all of his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, 
that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him, listen to this, I love the way this chapter ends, he sent his servant Jesus to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Notice it didn't say that they turned from their iniquities. It says he turned them from their iniquities. He turned you from your iniquities. Glory to God. And then you turned to him. He's telling them, change your mind. Change your mind about this Jesus that you've known about. The stories that you're the guys at Crusoe. You need to change your mind and understand this is the Messiah that you killed. This was the one that your fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers and the prophets before, you're the sons of those prophets, they told about him. And I know you did it in ignorance, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, this is your moment for change. But look what Peter used. He used this miracle, this moment here, this healing miracle to have this platform because they all came together to see what was going on. And here's Peter yet again being used so mightily before God, the guy who was continually putting his foot in his mouth when he was with Jesus. Continually. And even at Jesus, before, right before he died, he denies him three times, right? I mean, this, the guy's got problems. But now, after he's received the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, they're all speaking in tongues, and Peter just stands up boldly and says, this is what was spoken by a prophet, Joel. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He is explaining what nobody else can explain. And here, there they are. They're all perplexed. They're amazed. They're in wonder. What is going on? Peter stands up and says, this is what happened. This man was healed because of Jesus, who you killed, but God raised him from the dead. And if you'll receive him, He's the one who took away your sins. You coming into this temple today and going through all these rituals, that ain't going to do it. What you were depending on before when the lamb, the Passover lamb would only cover the sins for one year, this lamb has taken, taken those sins out of the way. Hallelujah. And that handwriting requirements, he nailed it all to that cross. You need to change the way you think. Come to God. Faith in his name. And receive all the benefits because he has come to bless. David said, blessed is that man whose lawless yeah. deeds are forgiven, whose sins will no longer be remembered. You know who he's talking about? You. He's talking about you. He longed for the day that we're living in when God did not hold people's sins against him anymore. He did, but he got over it, thank the Lord. Yeah. Believers impart expectancy, healing. Joy, wonder, and the gospel. If you allow God to use you 
and be ready any moment. Just, why don't we just say this? Let's say this together. Just, Father, I want to impart what you have given me. You've given me your spirit. You've given me your anointing. The pressure is not on me to perform, but simply to release what you've given me. And Lord, I commit to you. I yield to you. I say yes to you. I'm willing. I am here. Send me. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Praise God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. If you would like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.